0: John chapter 1, please. John chapter 1. And we'll begin by reading just one verse, verse 50. John chapter 1 and verse 50. Uh, Audemont, can you hear me? I, I sound low in my ears. Is it okay? All right. John 1 and verse 50. And the Bible says here, in the gospel of John chapter 1 and verse 50, Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And I'd like to preach to you for a few moments on this subject. You ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, uh, I'm excited for what comes next. Lord, not just this sermon, not just this week, Lord, And not just the rest of this life, but for the eternity that you have planned for us. God, what a wonderful plan. And I can't wait to see the whole thing. I can't wait to get to the end of it. But Lord, as it stands right now, I'm enjoying the process, God. And I thank you for your presence that is so real so often. Please, God, make it real now. Speak to our hearts. Please, God, let the seed fall on good ground. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen man, I'd like like to read the passage with you just to help you appreciate the statement that Jesus made. There's a lot of good preaching that can come from this, but starting at verse 43, the day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, follow me. Now that's a summary of how Philip came to be a follower of Christ. Obviously there was more to it, but Uh, He's saying, when I got there, I found this guy, and I called him, and he followed. Verse 44, now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael. I like that. You see, one guy becomes a follower of Christ, and immediately he goes out and finds somebody else to follow Christ. I like that as a biblical pattern. isn't Isn't that the way we should be doing it? You see, the same thing happened earlier in the passage. Andrew was a follower of John the Baptist. John, when he saw Jesus walking down the road, said, behold, the Lamb of God, Andrew became a follower of the Messiah. But immediately, Andrew ran home to his brother, Peter, and said, hey, we found the Messiah. Every time somebody meets Jesus, they go and help someone else find Jesus. That's just how it works, amen. In verse 45, Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, we have found him, of whom Moses in the law. And the prophets did right. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Well, there's more good preaching than that. They knew they found the Messiah because they compared it with the Bible. They cracked open their Bible and said, this guy fulfills everything that was written. And that's why we put such an emphasis on the Bible as our final authority. It shows us what God has told us he will do and we can watch it come to pass. Verse 46, Nathaniel said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Now he's being a bit sarcastic. He's, he, he's, he's kind of making fun of the place. And Nazareth had that reputation as being some, we would call it a podunk town. It is the stillfontaine of, of <laughs> Israel. You know? It's like, can any good thing come out of that? It, pe- people felt about Nazareth that it was just a useless small uh, town. So Nathaniel's saying this kind of tongue-in-cheek. He is not trying to say Jesus cannot be the Messiah because, because he comes from Nazareth. He's not making that point. It's just, really, Nazareth, that's where the Messiah lives? Come on. Philip saith unto him, come and see. What a good answer. You say, I'm, I'm trying to win one of my friends to Christ. i got a co-worker or a family member, and they're a bit difficult. They have questions. They have doubts. How do I deal with it? Come and see. Invite him to church. Let's go. We don't have Jesus physically with us so that we can talk to him, but he did leave us a recorded message. (laughs) So if we have questions, we can approach the Bible and see what Jesus had to say, and then you can decide for yourself if this man was who he says he was. But I like Nathaniel's attitude. He at least went and investigated He didn't just brush it off and say, oh, Nazareth, forget it. He actually said, well, okay, well, let's look into it. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. In other words, well, here's a real true blue Jew. He said, man, here, you you guy, you're the real deal. You're Jewish through and through and you have no guile. That is to say, He speaks his mind. If he thinks Nazareth is a po-dunk, still, Fontaine kind of town, he says it. There's no flattering speech with him. He's not going to pretend to be your friend when he's really not. In the book of Proverbs, it says, He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. You know, there's some folks, when you talk to them, they're all nice to your face, but as soon as they go away, you'll... They begin to cut you down and gossip behind your back. They'll shake your hand, put a big smile. You know what? And and there is something to be said for tact. You do need to use a little bit of wisdom as you speak to people. But Nathaniel's not going to give you the impression that he likes you if he doesn't like you. He may not come right out and be rude and and, and look you right in the face and say, You are an idiot and walk off. Right, he might keep that thought to himself, but he's not going to tell you how smart you are if he thinks you're an idiot. Does that make sense? No guile. No guile. Verse 48, Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? How, how do you know who I am? How do you know about me? We've never met. How do you know this about me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Now, I don't know what Nathaniel was doing under the fig tree. What I do know is this. It was such a powerful statement that it converted him. Nathaniel knew under that fig tree, he was all alone. He knew that. And he knew there's no way, there's no way anyone could have seen me underneath that fig tree. Do you know what we do in private is usually our real self coming out? When no one else is watching, then the real us comes out. I've often heard preachers say, that's the, that's the test of true character is what you do when you're all alone and no one else is watching. Do you do right even then? That's the real you. Do you remember the first time we read about a fig tree in the Bible? You read about it in Genesis, actually. Chapter 3. Right after Adam and Eve sinned, they realized, their eyes were open. They realized they were naked, and, and the shame of that nakedness came came to them. And they realized we need to cover ourselves up. And they used fig leaves. You know what we often do? We put on a show. We don't want people to see the real us, so we put on a show, a beautiful outward exterior. We sew together some fig leaves, and look, I got the newest edition. <laughs> you know, I shop at, at the, you know Edgar's or. I, 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 Banana Republic. <laughs> fig Tree Republic. <laughs> look, look at this fancy dress I have. And we try to make the outward appearance look good. But see, Jesus sees what you're doing under the fig tree. He sees what you do in private. And this this is a very sobering and a very somber thought when you take time to consider that God knows every secret thing you've ever said, thought, or done. Now listen, this is what we expect from God. He is omniscient. This is part of being God, as he can see those things. But over and over again in the Bible, various people bring that to our attention. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, he said, Let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing whether it be good or whether it be evil. Paul said it likewise in the New Testament. There's coming a day in which God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Guys, you're not going to make it past the judgment based on how well you impressed us. Think about every secret thing every secret thought, the things you've piled under the fig leaves so no one else can see it, Jesus has seen all of it. Nathaniel, whatever this meant to him, boy, it got his attention. Verse 49, Nathaniel answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, that's the Hebrew way of saying teacher, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Those are synonyms for Messiah. The, the Israelites knew that Messiah would be the son of God. He would be the king of Israel. So Nathaniel just, just like that, says, if, if you knew what I was doing under the fig tree, you've got to be the Messiah. Thou art the son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. You know, some people are soft-hearted enough that all they need is proper evidence and they will convert. It's usually the people with no guile that just tell it like it is. When they get presented with truth, they react to truth. They don't hem-haw and beat around the bush. They just say, if that's right, I'll follow it. I wonder if you are a South African indeed in whom is no guile. I wonder if when presented with plain truth, you're a sinner, you're on your way to hell, you've broken the laws of God, you cannot have fellowship with him because of those sins. Jesus died for those sins. He took your punishment. He died in your place. And his sacrifice is the only thing that would allow you to fellowship with God and spend eternity with God. You can't get more simple than that. Would you respond to that? Would you then, like Nathaniel, say, Well, then he is the Son of God, he is the King of Israel, he is the Lord and Savior, and I want him to live in my heart. Verse number 50, Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? He says, Is that all it took? My goodness, man. You're, you're an easy case, aren't you? He says, Is that all? I saw the end of the fig tree. Believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. He says, man, I'm just getting started. You. Now, I know the proper English way to say this is, you have not seen anything yet. But it sounds so much better in deep South American English, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Which is a double negative. You ain't seen nothing. Not nothing, nothing. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> he says, Nathaniel... I haven't even done a miracle yet. God's omniscience isn't even a miracle. It's just part of being God. It's like breathing for you and I. It's part of being human, right? It's part of being alive. We breathe involuntarily, right? Our heart beats invol- God's omniscience is involuntary. It's part of him being God. That's not a miracle. That's just God being God. Now, God coming down and manifesting himself in human flesh and making himself known to humanity so that we can love him and know how much he cares about us, that, that, my friend, is God going out of his way. And Jesus has yet to begin to manifest his glory to the people. You know where you read about that? The first miracle that's done is in John chapter 2. He goes to the wedding in Cana of Galilee and changes the water to wine. And it says, This was the beginning of miracles when he manifested forth his glory says Nathaniel, if you're impressed by that you ain't seen nothing yet man verse 51 he saith unto him verily verily I say unto you hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man I can only assume that's a reference to his ascension and we're going to look at it in a moment when in Acts chapter 1 he went up to heaven I can only assume heaven opens there to receive the son of God and angels come down and then escort Jesus up. That's the only thing I can assume he's getting at here. He says, Nathaniel, this is just the beginning. I have three and a half years worth of ministry to go through. You ain't seen nothing yet. Nathaniel, just imagine the things he got to witness. He saw the water turn to wine. He saw Jesus raise people from the dead. Not people that Jesus paid to lay still in a coffin and pop up while on camera. Real dead people that had been wound up and ready for the funeral, been dead four days. Those kind of raised them from the dead. Can you imagine if you saw that? Nathaniel saw that. He saw men approach Jesus with leprosy, covered, covering their body, and walk away cleansed. He saw people that had never walked in their life, skipping, leaping, and jumping, praising God after Jesus had touched their life. He saw people that had been born blind, begging on the side of the road, and one meeting with Jesus. And the eyes were open, and everywhere that person went, they'd say, I don't know much about him. All I know is before I was blind, but now I see. Man, he's got to be someone. When Jesus said, Nathaniel, you ain't seen nothing yet, he hadn't heard Jesus preach one sermon. He had yet to hear Jesus say things like, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest under your, under your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He hadn't heard Jesus say yet, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. He hadn't heard Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He hadn't heard him say yet, I am the bread of life. If any man hungers, he can come and eat and he'll never hunger again. He hadn't heard Jesus say yet, I'm the resurrection and the life. He hadn't heard Jesus say, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. He hadn't heard any of that yet. After Jesus got done preaching, lost men, the soldiers, came back to report to the Pharisees. And they said, why haven't you brought him? Why didn't you arrest him? And those soldiers said, shoo. Now that's the South African version. Sure. Never a man spake like this man. Nathanael got to hear all of it. Take your Bible, come to John chapter 21. Nathanael, he got to listen to Jesus predict his death. Jesus pulled his closest disciples aside and said, Listen, guys, one of these days, the chief rulers are going to have me arrested. I'm going to be beaten, mocked. I'm going to be cast out by by these men. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die, and on the third day, I'm going to rise again. He gave them nine different details about his death, burial, and resurrection. Nathaniel got to hear that, and then he got to see it happen. He got to see the chief rulers come, beat him, arrest him, put him on a mock trial, He got to see the Gentiles, Pilate. He got to see these these men say, crucify him and then have him nailed to a cross. He got to see Jesus whipped and bloodied. He got to see Jesus hanging on the cross for those six hours. He got to see Jesus as they carried him away and laid him in the tomb. He got to spend those three days and three nights with the other disciples waiting for the fulfillment of Jesus' resurrection. And in John chapter 21, this is the only other place in the Bible we read about Nathanael. John 21 verse 1, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the two sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. There were seven of them that went out fishing. You know how the story went? there was a man standing on the shore. The disciples labored all night in the sea and couldn't catch anything. And then the man on the shore called out and said, have you tried the other side of the boat? Throw your net on the right side. They were evidently throwing it on the wrong side. <laughs> throw, it the, throw it on the right side. And they throw the net out. And they pull in 153 fish. Now, I'm not a professional fisherman. I'm not a fisherman by any stretch of the imagination, but I have spoken to professional fishermen. They said no net should be able to hold that many fish. The net should have broken. But the Bible says, and it points this out in the text, the net didn't break, which is a minor miracle in and of itself. And those disciples pulled all those fish to shore, and as they got to shore, they found the man on the beach was Jesus. And he already had a piece of fish (laughs) Op di braai. that's it, man. That's exactly what the disciples said. I'm sure of it. It's not in the Bible, but I'm sure they said, yo lekker. And Jesus said, come and dine. Come and dine. Did you know Nathanael got to sit there around the campfire, sitting there with the resurrected Jesus? Oh, in John chapter 1, when he said, Nathanael... If you're impressed by that, you ain't seen nothing yet. He had no idea of what he was going to see. John chapter 21, verse 25, John tries to sum it up like this. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. And the proper response to that is, amen. (laughs) Amen. John said, I'd love to tell you how many things we got to see and how many things we got to hear. He said, but we can't. There's not enough books. There's not enough ink. There's not enough paper in the world. Uh, you, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, brother, sister, you ain't read nothing yet. <laughs> That's why we have eternity, I guess. So we can sit around and listen to Jesus tell us about how he created the world and how he watched this and that and how he worked with man and how he, how he reached out to us at one point. And we get to hear our testimony from his side. I've told my story and how I got saved. I can't count how many times. One day I'm going to have Jesus tell the story of how he sought me. When I wasn't looking for him, he came looking for me. I was so dead in sin, I couldn't seek after God. So he came looking for me. And I still had a choice to make, but I didn't know what to choose. I was so blinded and dead in sin. All I wanted to do was sin. I was a servant to sin. But the Holy Spirit so sweetly and gently came to me and said, listen, sinner, Jesus loved you enough to die for you. Why would you want to turn that down? Don't you want him to live in your heart? Don't you want him, don't you want him to guide every aspect of your life? Wouldn't it be nice to know, I say to know, to know for sure that you're one of his children. Wouldn't you like that? And he gave me a choice. But not because I deserved it. It's called grace. When I didn't deserve it. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us, not while we were good and deserved it, when we didn't. When I got saved, oh, I can remember like it's yesterday, the rush of joy that filled my soul. Oh, I remember getting up off my pastor's floor after I'd asked Christ to come into my heart, and I don't even know if my feet touched the floor as I left that house. It felt like I was floating. I wasn't. But I felt like it. Oh, I felt so light. Do you know what I mean? Because I had been carrying around the load of my sins for so long. I had never experienced full and free forgiveness. I didn't know how it felt for, for someone so important to look down on somebody like me so unimportant and say, I forgive you. I love you. You're mine forever. Oh and I felt good and I thought to myself I don't ever want to lose this feeling I don't ever want to get over it I want to serve him for the rest of my life and give him my very best and I remember in those early days getting down to pray and God making himself real and speaking to me in prayer answering prayers I remember going out with my wife and our pastor and winning other people to Christ one night I knocked on the door of an old Tawny. Oh, her, I mean, she was old. She told me stories about Noah. I mean, she was old. <laughs> Personal stories, you know. Oh, she was in her upper 80s. I'm sorry. If anybody's in their upper 80s, I'm sorry. That's probably offensive now. <laughs> she was in her upper 80s. She invited me in. And uh, she was a Roman Catholic, and that's what I was before I got saved. And and I sat down and had a very good conversation with her, and that lady in her late 80s, right there in her living room, bowed her head and gave her heart to Christ. I'd been saved three months, four months, 20 years old. I got to see a lady, I think she was 89, got saved. One week later, I went back to visit her and just encourage her. She was, her health was bad. She couldn't leave the house, uh, you know, for church, those kind of things. She couldn't stay out long. I went back to visit her and just see how she was doing. She had passed away. And I remember to this day how good that was to know, whew, you talk about getting in right underneath the wire, man. Well, <laughs> that's, that's pretty close to the dying thief on the cross, right? That's, that's, that's the 11th hour. I've gotten to see God do so much. Those early days were so sweet, and, and you know what? I didn't know it at the time, but I hadn't seen anything yet. It was just getting started. God let me go off to Bible school. God gave me and Christina two wonderful children. While we were in school, we've had a third since when we got to Malawi. I've seen God answer so many prayers in so many ways. I, I, I feel like verse 25, the, the book is just... There's no book that can contain all the answered prayers. The Lord let me visit 180 different churches. I don't know how many tens of thousands of gospel tracts have passed out. Thousands of people have gotten to see saved. He let me go to Malawi and start a church and another church and another church and a Bible school. 14 churches. Bible school still going. The man I trained is teaching it. He wrote me this week. Brother Ashbet wrote me. Brought me to tears. He said, Bana, He said, I'm so happy. One of the men I'm teaching in Bible school, I let him preach. And he said, God moved in such a powerful way. He said, over half the church went to the altar repenting, many of them getting saved. And he said, to see one of the men that you're training get used of God so mightily. He said, I I didn't know I could have that much joy. What he doesn't realize is that I am having that same joy plus some because I trained Ashbad. I have, right, John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. What about your spiritual grandchildren? (laughs) We sing that song, heaven came down and glory filled my soul. I say amen. And we ain't seen nothing yet. Last night we had a wonderful prayer meeting. Every Saturday night, 6 o'clock, we get together for prayer, and we were, what, I'd say about 30 people last night, 25, 30. Even mixed between ladies and men, and the, and the ladies pray in the foyer, the men pray here. And the presence of God sweeps through, and it's so, so lecker. And as we were praying last night, I was praying about this sermon. I said, God, please help me to preach it right and tell it right, tell it like it is. And the Holy Spirit whispered in my heart. He said, Mike, you ain't seen nothing yet. Man, I got excited. I had to stand up for a while. For those of you that, that's why I stood up, put my hands up to heaven and said, oh God, let it it happen then. I mean, God's done quite a bit in seven years and we ain't seen nothing yet. Nathaniel didn't know it. In John 1, but Jesus was just getting warmed up. (laughs) Folks, I believe the same is true for us. I think the same is true for you in your own spiritual life. If you think it's been good so far, you ain't seen nothing yet. One day, one day you're going to hear this very, very loud boom. It's going to sound as if the moon exploded. And after this massive explosive sound, you are going to hear the most familiar voice you've ever heard even though you've never heard it out loud before. You will hear a voice calling you and saying, Come up hither. And in a moment, in an umblick, in the twinkling of an eye, a trumpet will sound And without even dying, your body is going to be changed, transformed. And it will become a glorified, resurrected body and will enable you to leave this earth and instantly be in the clouds. And the Bible says that's where we're going to meet the Lord. For now we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, Paul said, that which is in part shall be done away. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. He says, now we know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. I shall know even as I am known. Paul, what do you mean by that? Right now, I know Jesus by faith. One day I'll know Him by sight. God sees me. I can't see Him. But one day I will know even as I am known. God knows me by sight. One day I'll know Him by sight. Right now we know in part. We prophesy in part. We're taking, we, we go by faith because of what these men have said and, and it's been verified, right? The prophecies of the Bible are very reliable but we haven't seen the fulfillment of all of them yet. We can talk and preach about Jesus, but we only know in part the half has yet to be told. You ain't seen nothing yet. That trumpet will sound. We'll meet Jesus in the clouds, and he will personally escort us up into the third heaven. And my friend, one day your eyes will behold this beautiful throne and him that sits upon it, and a rainbow in sight like unto an emerald behind the throne. You're going to see four and twenty elders all around the throne. And they pause. They, they, they pause not. They never stop. Day and night. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. And they cast their crowns. And you'll see four beasts. One with the face of a lion. The other with the face of an ox. The other with the face of a man. The other with the face of an eagle. And you'll see all of heaven's angels, thousands upon millions of them gathering around the throne, joining in in this thunderous choir. And I'm almost sure they're going to sing, My God, how great thou art. (laughs) And voice or no voice, I'm going to join in at that point and say, Then sings my soul, My Savior God to thee, how great thou art. And right about that time, as you're looking around heaven, and you know what I'm going to do? You don't have to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to smell heaven. I am. I'm going to get there and go, ah, yeah. That's what clean air is. <laughs> you don't have to do that. I'm going to do that. I want to smell what holiness smells like, <laughs> what love smells like. I want to I take in all of it. But right about that time, you're going to hear a trumpet sound. The trumpet will blast and an angel will step forth and say, Hear ye, hear ye, behold, the judgment seat of Christ. And all of us are going to be ushered in before the throne. And this is where Christians get judged. If you're not saved, you have a different judgment. But saved people stand at the judgment seat of Christ and we will be judged based on what we did for Jesus after we got saved what we built on the foundation of Christ. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, if it was good or bad. If there's only one life, it soon be past. only what's done for Christ will last. You will stand before the throne, all of your deeds, all of your works will come and stand with you. The fire proceeds forth from the throne and whatever burns up, you suffer the loss of that but anything you did for Christ, it remains. It abides the fire. And the Bible says, If any man's work shall be burned, he'll suffer loss. But if any man's work shall remain, he shall receive a reward. And Can you imagine the day when Jesus says, Servant, come forth. Kneel. And you before the throne, kneel. And to have the King of kings come forward. Step down off of his throne with a crown in his hand and place it upon your head and say well done my good and faithful servant you ain't seen nothing yet if you think it's good and you have peace and and comfort in your heart when you do right now doesn't it feel good when you do right Don't, don't you have a joy in your heart when you do something by faith you ain't felt nothing yet but not too long after the judgment seat of Christ, you'll hear another trumpet blast. And another mighty angel will step forward and say, Hear ye, hear ye, behold, the marriage of the Lamb is come. And we're going to be ushered into the bridal closet, white raiment given unto us, robed in fine linen, white and clean, the Bible says. And I don't know I don't know, but I kind of think that as we walk out of that heavenly bridal closet and we're getting ready, we're standing at the doors, right? Because that's how brides do it. You stand there with the doors closed. You'll hear heaven's choirs begin to sing, the bridal march, the doors open, and there standing by the altar ready for the marriage is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the bridegroom. Standing next to him is his best man, John the Baptist. Jesus John said I'm just the friend of the bridegroom there's the best man let me ask you folks a question who walks us down the aisle the father of the bride can you imagine we stand there at the door and there's Jesus and there's John maybe and then God the father in his in his manifested presence takes us by the arm and says Let me escort you down to the front. And heaven creates kind of a Red Sea moment. Heaven, all the occupants of heaven parts, the angels to one side and the other, and we walk down this glorified aisle and we meet Jesus at the altar. And who is conducting the ceremony? Who is there to say, uh, these two are now bound together for all time and eternity? I would have to say the Holy Ghost conducts the ceremony. (laughs) just to complete the cycle. Shortly after the I do's and the kissing of the bride, oh, what joy fills our heart, and another mighty angel steps forward with a trumpet. And the trumpet blasts, and he says, Hear ye, hear ye. Behold, the great day of God's wrath has come. And it's not the honeymoon you might expect. But now it's time to prepare for war. And if you think the world has seen some bad wars, brother, you ain't seen nothing yet. Jesus said the time that is coming on this earth will be so bad, it'll be worse than any other time in history. I believe that we will be ushered to heaven's stable. You say, what do you mean stables? There's going to be these heavenly steeds, these beautifully strong, majestic white horses. And the angel, an angel leads you to it and says, says Mike, this is your stall. This is your horse. And, and me, because I'm terrified of horses, I go, oh. And that horse is going to look at me and wink. <laughs> Say, I got you, preacher. I got you, don't worry. <laughs> and we hear the captain of our salvation cry out, mount up. And we see Jesus climb onto his horse and he walks down the stable, clicking down the, down the way with his horse and he says, we're ready for the battle. Mount up. Now, my horse is gonna be a unicorn because I don't know how to ride a horse. I need, a, I need something to hold on to. So when I get on my horse, I'm also going to hit the autopilot switch on the side of the horse and let him do the flying because I don't know what to do. You can make your horse whatever you want it to be but that's how my horse is going to work. Guys, can you imagine one day as we exit heaven and we fly down through the universe all of these pictures that NASA is taking and some of those are breathtaking, are they not? The stars and they just got a picture of a black hole for the first time ever. It's The things that the Hubble telescope, we get to see, That we get to fly by it. Oh, look at that star. Oh, look at that one. And we're moving so fast, the stars get sucked into our jet wash and down we go. And we're heading down towards the earth, barreling down, and we see Jesus in the front of the army with his sword in the air. Charge, and here we come. We land on the earth. The battle of Armageddon takes place. The enemy is wiped out. Jesus establishes his kingdom on the earth and he is now king of kings and lord of lords and the earth gets renovated regenerated becomes a paradise once again people begin to live now we, we will have eternal bodies but the people that survive the tribulation time and get to enter into the kingdom they will begin to live again in five, six, seven, hundred, eight hundred years they're living in a paradise and this For these thousand years, the Bible says Satan is bound in the bottomless pit, and he can't deceive the nations. But after the thousand years, he will be loosed. And when he gets out, he immediately goes out to deceive the people, and it works. Somehow gets them to turn on Christ, and the Bible says right then and there, the fire falls down from heaven, wipes out the dissenters. Satan is then thrown into the lake of fire, never to be heard from again. And I say, praise God. You know what happens next? God says, that's it. That's it. That's enough. It's been 7,000 years. One day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. We've gone the full week. 7,000 years is enough. Heaven, earth flee away. And the Bible says, and I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face heaven and earth fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged according to their works. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. My friend. You ain't seen nothing yet. One day, you see, you won't be, if you're saved, you don't get judged at that judgment. But you'll be there. I'm going to watch my lost family members stand before God at that judgment and have to give an account for their sins. My uncles, my grandmother, my grandfather, my dad standing there trembling, trying to convince a holy God to let an unholy man into his presence. And I know it can't work. You ain't seen nothing yet? When you look at the one sitting upon the throne and he points the finger at that person and says, Sinner, I tried everything I could to save you and you rejected it. You trusted anything but me. And I'm so sorry I have to do this. I didn't want to do this. I tried not to do this. But depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. You cannot live with me forever. You ain't seen nothing yet. Come to Revelation chapter 21. After this horrific judgment is over, Chapter 21 and verse 1. What am I preaching this morning? The the name of my sermon is You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. Talking about what you can see. Look at verse 1. And I saw, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Decorated. Beautiful. Verse 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be as God, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. He'll no longer separate us from his presence with, with a solar system and a galaxy and a universe in between. His tabernacle is now amongst men. Verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. You see, as you stand and watch that judgment, there'll be a few tears. And it's not until this time that all the tears get wiped away. Verse 4 says, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death. neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. You know, after a week like this week, where I've been at the hospital every single day, visiting people that are in pain, comforting them over losing their daughter, trying to console people that have lost hope. I yearn for this day. You yearn for this day. The Bible says we groan within ourselves for this day. Brother, sister, it might be tough now, but might I remind you of this one thing. You ain't seen nothing yet. One day you get to see heaven and earth pass away and a new heaven and a new earth and a brand new situation come down. No more pain. No more crying. No more funerals. No more death. I don't even have to worry about it. I don't have to think about it. I don't even know how that feels. I don't understand that. But one day I will. Verse 5, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. What's he saying? You can trust everything I've said. It's going to happen. Verse 6, he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He's giving you an invitation there's one last thing you need to see in verse number nine. There came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked with me saying come hither I will show thee the bride the lamb's wife and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city the holy Jerusalem descending out of God, out of heaven from God having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone most precious even like a jasper stone clear as crystal. He says, I'm going to show you the lamb's wife. Yes? And then shows him a city. What happened? Aren't we supposed to see the wife? The wife lives in the city. The walls are made of gold, but the gold is so pure you can see through it. So when you look at the city, you can see the wife. So you see both at the same time. Brother, sister, you think you've seen something beautiful on this earth? You ain't seen nothing yet? Jesus said... In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. You know why he's preparing this place? So there's somewhere for us to fellowship with him forever. Christians of yesteryear said it like this, the chief goal of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. One day we walk on streets made of gold so pure you can see through it. The foundations of this city are made out of 12 precious stones. And the best part about it, listen, is is not the gates made of pearl, the streets made of gold. It's not that. The Bible says that the Lamb is right there in the center of the city The throne of God and the Lamb right there in the middle. There's no more temple because God is right there. His presence is not shielded. He's right there accessible by all. There's no more need for the sun because the Lamb is the light thereof. You know, after a tough week, I thought it would just be nice to remind you, you ain't seen nothing yet. We got something to look forward to. When you wake up tomorrow and go to work or go to school, I just want to remind you that God's not done working on you. There's still a lot of things He can do in your Christian life. You ain't seen nothing yet. There's more He can do in our church. There's more He can do on the mission field. And there's more to do all the way to eternity. Now let's get busy enjoying, enjoying glorifying God and enjoying Him forever. We can start now with that. Let's all stand if you would please. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just for a moment. I've mentioned today a few times how simple it is to get saved if you have never experienced having all of your sins forgiven. And having the Holy Spirit say, welcome. Welcome into the family. You're one of ours now. If you'd like to experience that today, you need to humbly come to Christ and say, you are the Lord. You are the Savior. I've been trusting my church. I've been trusting my good deeds. I thought I had it figured out. But I get it. I'm not good enough to go to heaven. I want to receive you today as my Savior. If that's you today, sinner, would you raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you. I'm not going to point you out. Thank you. I appreciate that. You can put your hand right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else say, preacher, pray for me. I I want to be sure that when Jesus comes, he calls me home. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you sinner if you're ready even right now even right now you can bow the knee right where you're at say Lord I know I'm a sinner I deserve to go to hell I don't want to I know you died for me and that's enough please come into my heart would you do that now sinner would you go to your knees and ask him to save you would you do it Now's your chance. Don't worry about what the world thinks. Don't worry about what the person next to you thinks. One day you'll stand before God, not that person. Trust me friend, you get saved today, it just gets better even with all the trials and tribulations Jesus grows sweeter every day for those of you that are hurting and I know several of you are just hang on just hang on folks you ain't seen nothing yet just hang on for that trumpet to sound What a day, what a day that shall be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day, glorious day that'll be. Father, thank you this morning for allowing us to think for a moment about eternity. Oh, oh God. We want to hear that trumpet sound even today, God. Lord, I don't doubt your wisdom. I'm sure there's a reason to wait. But Lord, as far as I'm concerned, we've waited long enough. We want to see you. We want to be in your presence. And Lord, if this is just the beginning of it and it can be this good, I can't wait to see how this ends. Lord, I want to pray for those that raised their hands. Please, God, might might this be the day they genuinely come to you as a sinner and receive forgiveness. Please work in their hearts. Comfort the many people in our church that need it now, God. Draw nigh to them. Lord, would you please help us to retain what we've heard. Think about it throughout the day. Bring us back tonight, Lord, ready to learn more. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.